0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Hope Church Frankfurt. If you want more information about our church, text HOPE23 to 55498. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Today, um, we're going to kind of have a standalone message. Uh, we've been in a series all the way up to today called Truly Blessed that concluded last week. So, for this week and next week, we're going to have some standalone messages. Uh, and then we're going to uh, jump into a brand new sermon series on September 17th called Come and See. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 today, starting at verse 46. We're going to read a few verses today. Uh, it's going to be on the screen behind behind me if you do not have your Bible, but starting at verse 46, Mark chapter 10. It says this, and they came to Jericho and as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside and he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. So he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The title of my message this morning is this slide that was just up there. It's up there again. What do you want me to do for you? If you're taking down notes, that's the title of this message. What do you want me to do for you? Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for our church. And we're so thankful to be a part of a community of believers that are going after you today. We're thankful for this incredible weather. um, All that you give to us, God, your blessings are so powerful. And we're so thankful for who you are, that you are our firm foundation. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. This is the question that Jesus asks this man, this blind beggar. He says to him, what do you want me to do for you, right? This is a question that my parents used to say to me when I would say I was out of money when I was working at McDonald's at Joliet Junior College because I spent all of my money on food and movies. What do you want me to do for you, right? I, got, I don't have any gas. My dad say, what do you want me to do for you? It's your problem. It's not mine, right? It's the same thing that I say to my son as soon as he gets in bed and he lays down and he says, Dad, I'm hungry. What do you want me to do for you, buddy? It's too late now. You know what I mean, right? If any of the parents in the room, you know what I'm talking to, right? What do you want me to do for you? It's an interesting question when you think about it. It's not what's up. It's not how are you. It's not what's going on. But it's very specific. What do you want me to do for you? It speaks to the desire of your heart. So let me just do a thought experiment. What if Jesus were to ask you this question right now, today, September 3rd at 10.32 a.m. What would he ask you if he said, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) What would you respond to him? What would it be? Would it be like, I don't know, I think a lot of people in the room would be like, uh, I don't know, right? Or do you go like, like talent show, like pageantry? You're like, world peace, you know what I mean? Like, what do you say? Or do you go more selfish, like... A lot of money. You know what I mean, right? Like, what do you say, right? What do you want me to do for you, right? Or do you turn to, like, physical things? Oh, God, I've been dealing with this in my leg or my foot or my body. Like, this. What do you do? What would your response be? If the king of the universe were to ask you specifically, what do you want me to do for you? What would your response be? At this time in the Bible, Jesus is about a week or so away from being crucified. Right, They're in Jericho and they're heading out of Jericho, which is nothing but about 15 miles to Jerusalem. So they are on the final stretch before Jesus gets crucified. And there were many people making this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, the holy city, so that they could make their sacrifices. They didn't realize that the person they were walking with was the ultimate sacrifice, but they're walking with Jesus to make the sacrifices for the atonement of their sins. Jesus is a public figure at this point. So there's a crowd around him, right? There's people 10, 20, 30 people deep around him. And there's a lot of commotion around Jesus at this time because it's right before he's about to go to the cross. It's this huge celebration leading up to the city. It's really a holiday. Kind of, this is a holiday weekend. This is a holiday that they're heading up to. And this is where we find this man, Bartimaeus, the blind guy. Now, you have to do, do yourself a favor and think about this as an ancient culture. These people are walking to Jerusalem. Everything's good. They're happy. They're going to atone for their sins so they no longer have to pay for those, right? They're, they're going. It's a, it's a good time. So really, if you think about it from this guy in a begging perspective, it's probably a good time, right? Because everyone knows... That people give more around the holidays. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean, right? How many cards from organizations do you start getting around November 15th? You know what I mean, right? That is intentional because you're like, oh, the Peace, You know what I mean, right? And you're like, yep, take all my money, right? This is, and when it's around that holiday season, we kind of get that spirit of generosity and everything's good and everything's great. So if you think about it, this man is probably having a pretty good day, right? People are walking by and not to mention, if you were to give in the poor in the Jewish faith, it was a merit on your Christianity or on your Judaism. It was a merit on your faith that you were given to the poor. That's a great thing to do. So these people were most likely giving to him. He probably should have been pretty content on this day, when you think about that. His life is really hard, but you've got to make the best of it, right? It's probably what, not what he thought. It is what it is. What can I do? I can just be here. I really, in this society, I'm looked at lower than anybody else. There's not much I can do, but I can kind of beg. I can kind of do this. What can he really do? And I think a lot of times... We can relate to Bartimaeus in this way. There's a lot of people who are like him. Not just during the holidays, but we kind of accept our life as it is. Yeah, you know what? My marriage is in shambles and we don't really talk to each other and there's a lot of problems, but it kind of is what it is. At least I got my boat. Right? Or my, I hate my job and everyone there and I have a bad attitude but I get a paycheck, right? I mean, we kind of settle for that, right? My kids' attitudes are terrible, but at least I can put them in front of a TV for a Netflix show. You know what I mean, right? This is sometimes what happens, right? We, we get into this process of life. I've been struggling with this sin for 20 years. It kind of is what it is. I can't change it now. Here's what I think a lot of times we end up getting in this cycle We get up for work, we feed the pets, we take out the garbage, we pay the bills, we eat in front of the TV, we go to bed and we start again the next day. You ask your neighbor how they're doing, what do they say? Same old, right? Same old, same old. What can I do? Why is it that we become so okay with the way that things are? Why is it that we become so okay with all of the negative or hard things in our life? I think sometimes we, be comfortable, we become comfortable in the walls of prison. Actually, if you've ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, there's a man in prison and he says this quote. He says this, These walls are funny at first. At first you hate them. Then you hardly notice them. Then you get used to them. Finally, you end up thinking, I don't know what I would do without them. That can kind of be what it is for us in our struggles. At first we hate it then we kind of get used to it then we're not sure what we would be without being the person who deals with this because we just get so used to it covering up our struggles being comfortable with our addictions faking a smile so no one knows that you're just barely holding on i think we become complacent for many different reasons in our life but one of the main reasons is i think we're distracted Interestingly enough, I was talking to someone who has been a Christian for 30 plus years. And I was talking to them about the church and, and about something happening. they're like, yeah, it's so great when you see these young people worshiping. And they're, it's because they're on fire. Right? They kept using that phrase. They're on fire for God. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, they are on fire. And I was like, why do you think that they worship different than maybe you feel you do? He goes, well, they just got saved. Life hasn't happened to them yet. And that was exactly what he said. And I thought to myself, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Because sometimes here in this pew or you're, I'm playing guitar, even to myself, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Life happened this week and I'm not really sure I'm feeling up to, I'm not on fire right now. Because what happens a lot of times when you get saved, you have this radical transformation and so you're hungry for the word of God, you're hungry for who God is, but then you end up getting more and more comfortable with kind of how the way things are. And that fire goes away. Why? Life happens. Can anyone relate in the room that sometimes life just happens? Life just happens and it gets difficult. Pay the bills, relationships to fix, cars to repair. And I think distraction is a piece that the enemy of your soul uses greatly against you. Look at what C.S. Lewis says. I don't have it on the screen behind me, but I'm going to read it from his book, The Screwtape Letters. If you've never read it, it's a very interesting book where he wrote from the perspective of an older demon to a younger demon trying to bring people away from God. Here's what he said. Keep them distracted, provided that any of their neighbors sing out of tune in the pews, or they have boots that squeak, or double chins, or odd clothes, The patient will quite easily believe that their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. Distract them. You know, when that person sings out of tune and you're like, Oh, I can't sing this song if they're going to sing like that, right? Oh no, what's going on? Or what about this? Or what about that? Distract them in anything that you can from the focus, which is Jesus. Don't let them know who God truly is, is what his whole point is. You would do, if you realize that you could have the attention of Jesus, you would probably do everything you could to get it, right? If you could have the attention of the God of the universe, you would pretty much do anything. And I think a lot of times distraction can push us away. We focus on others or we focus on their flaws or my flaws or what churches have done in the past or how they've hurt us or how they've made mistakes or who they've fallen And it's just a distraction that pulls us away. We can live complacent because we're distracted by so much of what's happening around us. But there's a different way to live. And Bartimaeus shows us how. It's a life of desperation for Jesus. Let's read it again. Verse 47 to 48. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and said, Be quiet. Stop talking. Be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is a blind man by the side of the road. He's screaming, Jesus, have mercy on me. But again, he's blind, so he doesn't really know that it's Jesus. He's just heard that it might be Jesus. He begins to cry out. That's actually a tame translation. When you look at the Greek language, it literally says this. It says, he screamed bloody murder to to see Jesus. That's literally what the translation is. He screamed bloody murder to see Jesus. He was screaming so loud. You're like, what's happening? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He was not messing around. He was going after God. It didn't matter what people thought of him. He had everything in his body was getting attention to Jesus and was getting to Jesus. He was desperate. This was his chance. Think about it this way. If Jesus is the healer that he had heard rumblings about him that he could heal him, why would he not take his chance? He was desperate. Desperate. Check it out though. It said many rebuked him. Many rebuked him. Not just one. Many. So many people that the Bible placed it in there so we would know that many people rebuked him. And these are the people that are walking with Jesus to do what? To make their sacrifice. So these are most likely church people. Who see someone who's broken and hurting and desperate for God. And say be quiet. We don't want to hear that around here. We're comfortable with our walls. You stay in yours. Is essentially what I see they're saying to him. Just quit making a ruckus over here. Quit trying to tell people about God. I'm, not, I'm tired of it. And, and, and think about it from this perspective. He just wants to see Jesus. He needs a healing. So what is he doing? He's crying out for God. They said, listen, we don't lift our hands like that in this church. We're not, we don't move like that. You know what I mean? Like we don't. Like the Midwest, you know people are really getting into it when we're like this. I mean, when you guys start swaying, I almost fell over. You know? I was like, the Holy Spirit's in this room. Right? I'm like, we're getting into it today, right? Like, this is kind of how it is, right? We don't sing that loud. We don't clap like that. Don't do that. you got to knock that off. I love this next verse. But he cried out all the more. I like this guy. Like, I like this guy. He's got some spirit in him. He's got some passion in him. Many people are telling him to be quiet, and he just turns it up to 11, right? Like, he's going for it. What if we worshiped with the same desperation that he does? What if we prayed with the same desperation? What if we reached out and invited people as we do in just a few moments when we're walking through the parade to church with the same desperation? I'm not telling you scream in someone's face when we're walking out the card, right? But you get the point. Like, what if we actually were like, yeah, we care about this this much. We're going to do it. What if we stepped away from distraction and into desperation because we can be so comfortable with our walls? You know what? I've tried to get healed. I've, I've came up for prayer before. I've, I've tried the program. I've read the book. I've talked to counselors. I've done all this. It's just not changing for me. But what, what, what if we had the desperation that he had? Jesus stopped and said, call him. They called the blind man saying, take heart, get up. He's calling you throwing off his clothes he sprang up and ran to Jesus right Jesus got he got Jesus' attention and Jesus says come on come on over the crowd tell him they're like hey stop yelling right go to Jesus he called you you got chosen right you were picked like when you're picked at you know the, uh, in, uh, in what am I thinking of right now I just had a complete brain fart in the middle of the sermon Lord have mercy it's going to be a long day right playground come on somebody I need prayer, a lot of it, right? When you're picked and you're like, I don't want to be last on the dodgeball team. Bang, I get picked, all right, right? He's running towards Jesus. This guy is blind. Think about this. I went to college with a guy named Zach. He was 80% blind. He played basketball. I was like, Zach, you're the bravest person I've ever seen in my life because you're doing this like really quickly. I was like, why? He's like, I just love to have fun. Okay. But when he was going downstairs, he went slowly. Why? Because he couldn't see. It was obvious. We would be like, hey man, we'll help you. Like, Right? This guy, through all caution to the wind, it's, he sprang up and he starts running towards Jesus. So here's, here's how I picture it. right? I picture it. They go, hey, hey, hey. Jesus picked you. He's like, really? Awesome. And he's run, bumping into people left. Right? Oops, sorry. I'm sure he tripped. I'm sure he fell. And he finally makes it to Jesus. The desperation that this man had to run and get to Jesus. Would you spring up if God the Father said, come on, I'll give you whatever. Come on over and talk to me. Would that be the desperation what we have? Or would we be too humble or prideful? We'd be like, okay God, come on over. How would we be? And Jesus said this to him, continuing reading. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Can we just point out, this is a ridiculous question, right? It's like, Jesus, obviously, we know what he wants you to do for him. Like, this is so clear. Jesus does this all throughout the Gospels. Think about the time when the man is at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus goes, hey, uh, do you want to be healed? He goes, yeah, my legs don't work. Obviously, I want to be healed. Right? What is Jesus pointing to when he asks this question? What do you want me to do for you? He's speaking to the desire of your heart. The desperation of who you are. Will What do you truly want? Right? What do you want? Look what he says. I want to recover my sight. But he calls Jesus rabbi. He says, you're a teacher. I want to have whatever I want. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, wait, Jesus, what do you mean his faith made him well? He screamed? That's what faith is? It's like, because I think we can all have pretty great faith and we just start screaming at the top of our lungs. And then I was literally driving this morning thinking about it, and I had scratched out some of my notes because I felt like God said, no, 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 the faith was not his desperation, But the faith was the run from the ground to my feet. I thought, whoa, what do you mean? Because Hebrews says, the Bible in Hebrews says that faith is to believe what you have not yet seen. He ran, I don't know how long it was. I wish I did. I wish they said 30 meters. He ran a 40-yard dash, right? Like I wish we could put it into a quantifiable thing. He ran from down on the ground to Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, that's faith. To believe that he is who he says he is, even if you do not see it. And even when you're running to Jesus, you may bump into a few people along the way. You may fall on the ground. You may be broken. You may be hurting. There may be some collateral damage because you knock somebody over. But Jesus says, that's faith. Desperation that turns into activation.'" And desperation a lot of times hits us when we're at our lowest point. Because we have nowhere else to go. Come on, how, how many of us have ever been there? You're like, yeah, I guess I'll go back to church. If I have no friends and everyone hates me and I just lost my job for the third time. right? Like, or I messed up again. Maybe that's not your story. Maybe your story is just secretly, I'm just kind of quietly unconfident. I'm quietly broken. I don't really know what's going on. But faith is when we turn desperation into activation and run to the feet of Jesus. And what Jesus says to him is perfect. If you could throw back up that last verse one more time. It says this. Immediately he recovered his sight. This is only the second time in history, throughout the Bible, recorded history, that Jesus healed a blind person. The other time is when he spit on the ground and mud and wiped it in his eyes. This is the second time. Immediately, he recovered his sight, and it says this, and he followed him on the way. But look at what Jesus said, go your way, go your way, meaning choose where you will go. Your faith has made you well, I'm going to heal you, Jesus is saying, now choose what you will do. With that healing. Now choose what you will do with that restoration. Now choose where you will go. And this man chose to follow Jesus. To follow and trust in Jesus. He chose to follow him on the path. He's 15 days. He didn't get all the cool stuff. Jesus has been preaching for three years. He's 15 days away from the crucifixion. He follows him to the cross. And I believe that's a perfect illustration for what he's asking us to do. He said, desperation, activation, and then follow me to the cross. Follow me to full and complete trust in him. Follow me to the next place. You've got to choose your, like you know how those, you have those games, right? Those board games, choose your own adventure, right? That's kind of what it is with Jesus. You choose your own adventure. What way do I want to go? Do I want to go my way or do I want to go his way? I'm going to ask some, Laura, if you could come up to the keys of this time. I just have two questions for you and then we're going to close and we're ending a little bit early because Jimmy John's is coming here at 11. Come on, somebody. So for all of us who are serving and if you're not serving, you want to sneak a sandwich, you know what? That's between you and Jesus. You know what I mean, right? But they're going to be here because we're going to get ready for the parade. But I just have two quick questions for you. What do you want Jesus to do for you today? What do you want him to do today? Is there a healing that you need? Is there a peace that you need? Is there a forgiveness that you need? So that's my first question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And the second one is this. If he does that, or if he has done that, What way will you go? Your way or his way? What do you need from him this morning? And when he responds, what way will you go? Because I want you to take some encouragement from our friend Bart. Run to Jesus with desperation. Because I believe he is so good. That he wants to bring healing to your life. He wants to bring you on the way to show you the way of who he is. He's worth it. The journey's worth it. What way will you choose? I'm going to ask with heads bowed, eyes closed all over this room. If you're here and you want to respond to this message this morning, you say, you know what, I want to respond just so uh, I can say to God, God, I want to go your way go your way I don't want to go my way anymore I want to go your way and if that's you here on the count of three whether you're here in the room today or you're listening to this later on the podcast you say you know what God I've been going my own way I've been comfortable with the walls that are around me. I've been been lacking desperation, but I want to be more like Bartimaeus. I want to more. I want to run to you. I want to have faith to believe that you are who you say you are, even though I do not see you. God, I pray that they would respond this morning. If that's you, and say, you know what, I just want to respond with no one looking around, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up on the count of three just so I know who I'm praying for. We're going to pray and be done today. God, I want to go your way. I want to trust in you more. I want to believe in you more. That's you i count three. Shoot them up. One, two, three. Shoot them up. Yes. 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 See those hands? Yeah, you can put those down. Heavenly Father, God, I pray over each and every one of us in this room I pray that your desperation, your Holy Spirit would flood this place. God, that we would not be distracted by what's happening in this world. We would not be distracted by our own ailments or our own sins. But that we would look to you and we would cry out to you this morning. And I pray that we would turn desperation into activation and that we would follow you. We would jump into faith with everything that we have to run at your feet and to trust you. God, I pray today that next steps would be taken from this message. That things would be changed from this message. God, I pray desperation would rise. That as we worship and as we pray, we would know that you are hearing and that you're seeing us, God. And God, I pray that we would go your way. Your way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, we want to give everything we have to you. I pray this morning for each and every one of us in this room that we would be able to trust you and see more of who you are this week. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new messages. Thanks for listening. God bless.